ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast, 72nd installment, I got the order wrong there, yes. <laughs> uh, extravaganza, featuring myself, Alfie Coleshaw, and because I've done this intro, you can probably work out, you know, if you're a le- regular listener, I was going to say a regular listener, uh, <laughs> I'm all over the place, I can't do this job well, uh, yeah, it means that Daniel is not here, of course, um, he'll be sourly missed, sourly, sorely missed. Oh, what a start. (laughs) (laughs) Just stick with it. Jesus Christ. Sowly miss then. We'll go with that. Um, I was actually listening back to the episode when I went to Brighton for the first time um, recently. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I obviously missed out. So it was you two. Um, And he was, you know, he was going, oh, he was was a bit nice about it. So I'm going to be nice about his transition. He's just transitioned from, you know, whatever the random little shitty town he lives in, in uh, Florida. (laughs) No offense. Uh, to the the big boy, the big boy town of Tampa, um, you know he's transferred. He's going to to uni USF, I think it is, uh, big yeah. up, uh, uh, University of Southern Florida. I don't know. Uh, and maybe. Yeah, so he's exactly maybe. We don't know. We don't pay much attention. No offense. It could be Sorry, like Daniel. University of sucking fried chicken or something. Who knows. <laughs> Yeah, you'd need the the C at the end, so that's yeah. quite a terrible one. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I've, I don't know what I was going to say. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah, how are you? How are you doing? Oh no, I was I was going to finish the story. Yeah, he's 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 transitioned. So yeah, good luck to him. And obviously, he couldn't make it because you know it's been a bit hectic. Couldn't watch the match. Um, lucky him. Uh, but yeah, of course, I'm joined with the uh, the the oh my god. The man with the versatile name, Rob, Bob, Bertha, Bob, Bobby, uh, Bertrand, uh, Bert, uh, Bobbert, um, <laughs> and other names you could probably, you know, create from that from that like three letter word. Uh, Robert, I don't know name. Uh, fucking hell, uh, Rob, how are you doing? <laughs> Jesus um, Christ. Well. Here we are, both of us trapped in a tier four of the UK oh, yeah, lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've mentioned it for you now. And uh, Good. <laughs> basically, we, me and Alfie, I have decided we've got all the time in the world, so why not record on a Sunday night? Um, it's, it's 10 to 10 on a Sunday. Yeah. So um, uh, you've got to rate the dedication here. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we're very bored. Um, even though it's the first day of the tier four, which is basically another another lockdown in just mm. like southeast and London for all our international listeners, who we now know there are quite a lot of you. Um, yeah, big up. So yeah, I was in the pool listening. Yeah. <laughs> um, unfortunately, Arsenal can't <laughs> raise our spirits from this <laughs> time of mm. southern misery. Mm. Well, one other thing I wanted to say is we are fucked um, because we are recording, as as you just mentioned, on a Sunday night. You know what that means? It means Arsecast hasn't been uh, uploaded yet. Yeah. So we actually have to come up with our own thoughts. We can't just sort of leech <laughs> off what they say. Um, uh, we have to shit. formulate our own opinions and stuff. So yeah, we are kind of fucked. We can't just rip them off. Maybe they'll rip us off. Who knows? Maybe. Um, Good point. Maybe James and, and Andrew will listen to this as inspiration. Um. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. Um, yeah, you, you wouldn't blame them, would you? No, I wouldn't blame them. I mean, we are superior to them. No offence. Yeah, um, I mean, that's why they reference us like every episode and they exactly never reference 28 it. times an episode. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy, really. Uh, yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, as, as you were just saying there, um, I mean, as I was saying to you in the pre the PPC, Shout out Daniel, who'll be gassed for us for using his little <laughs> acronym. Uh, I'm starting to sort of lose words or sort of lose... I, I feel like I don't have much more to add to the conversation. I wrote an article today, which was sort of addressing what we'll sort of discuss in the main body of the podcast. Um, but in terms of like the performances, I don't. that feels like I'm struggling to, to add anything new or interesting to sort of mm. add to the conversation. Because it just feels like the same things are happening. We're, we're, sh- we're terrible offensively and we concede some sloppy goals. Like That is the pattern at the moment. So I don't really know what to add. You get me? Yeah, I, I think you're spot on there, Alfie. And um, 
I've, I think both of us really, you've been very busy with your uni work and same with me with our schoolwork, but we haven't really been producing as many articles as we usually do. And I think that's partly down to the fact that, you know, it's just so drab at the moment and there's, there's not much that you can, you can really, well, there's a lot to write about, but it's hard not to sort of get repetitive because sometimes when you, you try and construct an article at, at times or, or even speak on a, on a podcast at times like this, you'll be saying different things, um, but they'll, they'll all sort of have the same message behind them. So it, it becomes very repetitive. Um, and that, of course, overriding message is that things aren't good. Um, and at, at the end of the day, unless you're Arsenal fan TV, it's it's quite difficult to captivate people. <laughs> In, in that, dig in that. that. <laughs> yeah. it, it's quite hard to captivate people when things aren't good exactly and I've been going to write these uh, you know I do these these articles for we love you arsenal.co.uk there's my marketing opportunity of a lifetime <laughs> done uh, when I go to write them after the game you know recently as you were just saying there I'm pretty much probably I'd say from like the middle of October I've been like I'm just going to write the exact same thing here yeah and thankfully, my articles, I can do like sort of a broader look at things and sort of, you know, so for today, like I think I missed, I didn't do anything from either Burnley or Southampton. Uh, I missed the Wolves game as well. I did Spurs, but you know, it's because I've just been sit, sat down and be like, when I'm dissecting this performance, I'm just saying the exact same things. Today, I just did a broader look at, you know, Arteta and, you know, how long he's got left and stuff like that. But in general, but I feel sorry for Vinay, shout out tactical analyst. I mean, he's just, he's pretty yeah. much, and I make him do it every time, and he's pretty much repeating himself. He said on Sal, uh, for Southampton, he just could not be asked because he was just saying the exact same things. He did it for Everton, um, so shout out Vinay for that. But, yeah, it is getting re- repetitive on the game in general. I mean, as we said, there's uh, there's not much new to talk about, but I guess we'll just sort of go through it mechanically as we normally do. Yeah. Team selection. Do you think there was anything interesting or, or vaguely different about or that stood out to you with that with that selection and sort of the system? Well, no, Alfie, because as as you've been saying, it's getting repetitive and on a regular basis, Mikel Arteta picks teams that we sort of half expect him to pick. Um he sticks with the experienced players, doesn't give these young players a chance, and um, it's really frustrating from a uh, fan's viewpoint. The only surprise was to see Aubameyang missing, but that was only because he was um, missing due to injury. Other than that, I was glad to see Ainsley Maitland-Niles retain his place. I think hopefully that will introduce some really good, healthy competition at right wing back. Mm. What about just in general sticking with the back three? Did you expect that? After, yeah. I think at Southampton, it did make us like stronger defensively. And I think, to, we, you can argue to an extent, it did against Everton as well. Yeah. But uh, I think uh, yeah, it definitely on. came at the expense of our attacking play. And again, it did today. So I, I don't know how I feel about that. 100%. And uh, I actually texted you guys after the game on... Uh... Mm against Southampton and I said uh, I think we should stick with it until Thomas Partey is back available because our midfield is is really quite bad and that three at the back system really does disguise a lot of the weakness in our midfield Um, Mm. but in, in a sense you're right that it does limit us going forward but regardless we've looked so limited going forward in any formation so you know, perhaps Arteta's just looking for the just looking for the time being to solidify at the back and, and hope for the best in terms of one off attacks. Um but yeah, it it, it was uh, it, you you just would have loved to have seen someone like Emil Smith Rowe get given a chance or even have seen Flo Balogun on the bench. Just just anything to have shaken something up. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And the inclusion of someone like William when he's just consistently poor is yeah. getting infuriating. Um, Eddie and Ketty are starting ahead of Lacazette again. I think that was a, a little bit of a surprise for me, particularly when La- when mm. Aubameyang's gone. Maybe you want that seniority. And I I thought Nketiah will get into this. I thought he had a poor game, but mm. I think that was maybe a slight talking point. 
Um, just sort of on the first half in general, and we'll get into the goals, but I didn't think, and in general, I didn't think Everton played well at all. No, they didn't. I think this was a poor Everton side. And I think this sort of speaks to like a sort of broader reoccurring theme for Arsenal this season. Most of our games are extremely narrow and marginal. Like, Mm. it's not like we're getting thrashed ever or when we win, it's not convincing. I think aside from the Fulham game, the start of the season where we won very convincingly, it was very comfortable. Every game has been pretty marginal, even the defeats. I think even Liverpool away, it was 2-1 for until yeah. I think, the 87th minute or something. And then Jota scored and we missed two great chances with Lacazette. Mm. I think when we went to City, it was narrow. We lost 1-0. Um, even the Villa game, you know, it was it was 1-0 for a long time. And then Villa scored two late goals to make it look comfortable. But it was pretty narrow. And, you know, I feel like that is something that we can do. We're quite good at nullifying the other team's threat. It's just, it's clearly an issue that we make games pretty terrible and both sides look terrible in every game we play in pretty much. Yeah. um, My granddad actually came in. uh, Well, he he, he, he was telling me about how he thought Arsenal had a chance against Everton because uh, the league's been so topsy-turvy this season and while Everton have been winning their last few games, they haven't looked that good. And I was just thinking... Yeah, but you don't actually have to be that good to beat Arsenal anymore. You don't have to be in a rich vein of form to beat Arsenal. You look at Wolves, for example. They've actually had a really poor start to the season and they made it look pretty easy against us. And you mentioned that the games are, are pretty tight, but uh, the, the a very common theme also is that teams sit in against us because they're not afraid of us breaking them down. So they're not really fussed about going to grab that um, second or third goal. Which is um, why we can't, just on that, is why we can't really take solace from dominating possession because teams are allowing us. All. Yeah. And, you know, Arteta says after every game things like that that he points to the amount of uh, sort of comically the crosses or more seriously, he, he comments on the possession or the amount of shots we have. And you, you, you can't, you've got to take that with a pinch of salt because, as you say, teams are letting us do that. Mm. Um, and so it's, it's a really sort of complicated one, a really complicated one to dissect because for one, it shows that teams just aren't fearful of us because they're willing to let us attack them. And number two, it, it, when teams sit in like that, it actually is quite difficult to create chances. So it's really difficult to sort of see where we are in a, in a, in a, in an offensive state at the moment, if you get me. Yeah, I 100% agree. And uh, I guess just getting on to the goals. Uh, I mean, the first goal is... It's obviously unfortunate, the cross going in off holding. I can't exactly... Mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched it back. I can't exactly remember the build-up. I know they were delving into it deeply on Sky. I think there was a, an issue with not closing the cross down. I think Saka maybe have been a bit culpable for that. Um, William. Willian, yeah, that's I remember it actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. Do you remember that goal much? Because I'm not gonna lie, these goals are sort of like even a couple months ago, I was like, we we'd analyze the goals and I would like remember them really deep. Now they just feel like they're all like molding into one. Like I can't remember individual goals yeah. against us that happened like two weeks ago. If you get what I mean. I mean, what disappointed me most about the goal was just the fact that I could feel it coming. I mean, the way we're starting games at the moment is just nothing short of atrocious. The first 20 minutes of both the Southampton game and the Everton game, we've just been non-existent. We show absolutely nothing. And that sort of leaves us open to these, you know, these goals feel inevitable. Um, And then these goals sort of wake us up and and that's not good enough. And, you know, these are professional footballers. For one, they should be motivating themselves, but I guess questions also have to be asked of Mikel Arteta because he's the one who's supposed to motivate these guys. Um, uh, but yeah, that that was you could see it coming. And I think, to be honest, Alfie, both goals were just really sloppy against Everton. Mm. And that's not something that really typifies us. So it 
really, really made me quite angry that we conceded in the manner that we did on the weekend. Mm. I think the second goal, I mean, I was saying this in the group chat, we are actually paying someone to coach yeah. our set pieces, Andreas Georgeson. Um, what the fuck are you doing, mate? I mean, not to mention the fucking repeated foul, foul throws, which for some reason Bellerin yeah. kept doing, and you're just, you could literally, as a coach, you could literally tell him, as the set-piece coach especially, I mean, it shouldn't take any, should, any coach should be able to see that, you should tell him that. But from set-pieces, we have been diabolical offensively, aside from the goal that Gabriel scored on the opening day, I don't think we scored a set-piece. Um, that tactic of, of crowding the goalkeeper um, and then doing an out swinger works. is unbelievably retarded. I mean, what yeah. the fuck is that? And it's it literally yeah. worked that one game against Fulham where we scored. And then defensively, fair play. We we've been we've been you know on the whole we have been relatively solid from set pieces this season. I think our set piece against XG is pretty low. Um, shout out that uh, and also. <laughs> Uh, we just haven't conceded. I think this was like maybe the second goal we conceded from a set piece after the Burnley yeah. game with the the that one, and that was unfortunate. But I mean, who is putting fucking Eddie and Ketty on the front post for Yerry Mina to attack? Yeah, yeah, it's, it it doesn't make much sense. Um, I sort of get putting a Bamiang there sometimes because he has height, mm. um, but Eddie and Ketty just offers nothing. In that in that regard, he's mm. he's not the sort of striker like, that you want. I think he's got decent leap a set for piece. someone his height, but him against Yerry Mina, what the fuck do you think the outcome is going to be? Yeah, he's sort of that striker who, um, in an in an attacking sense, you can imagine him getting his head on something for sort of maybe a scruffy type of goal, mm. but um, defensively wise, he, he's no, not he's a powerful header of the ball. No. Um, just so, sort of you ask yourself the question, you know, we don't pump up the ball towards him um, to sort of make him hold it up. So why would you want him to head the ball away at a corner? It, it That doesn't really add up, does it? Mm. It's absolutely not. And I mean, uh, Vin, I wrote about this in his tactical piece. I mean, that was a sucker punch because I actually think that goal came sort of in a period I know you're saying we started terribly we like we didn't have a shot in the first 15 20 minutes I don't think um we did not build any attacks we couldn't build any attacks we were not pressing at all which is infuriating me and as much as Everton weren't really threatening they looked the more threatening side uh and then after we obviously we got the the goal with a penalty um good penalty from Pepe was definitely a penalty but that goal mm. on half time it, it came at the end of a period where we weren't like very good, but we looked slightly more threatening. It looked like we were building a mm. little bit more momentum and that was fucking infuriating. Uh, just something else on Enketia, as we mentioned him there. And another thing that Vin, I wrote about in his piece, and this is something I've sort of been wanting to say on the podcast for a while now. His hold up play is, I don't know if you've noticed, but every time it comes to him, this back to goal, instead of like pinning a defender and playing it back, he takes the ball quite a few yards back with his first touch to get yeah. away from the defender. But yeah, it slows down it. the momentum yeah. of all our attacks. And it's like, that isn't holding the ball up. That's bringing the ball backwards and then slowing yeah. down our attack and making us build it again. He don't doesn't have the physical stature to hold the ball and pin it with his feet. And I know mm. it's a hard attribute to, to get, um, and I'm not saying Lacazette's been great in that aspect this season, but he's better than Nketiah at it. Um, and that is just something he really, really needs to develop. We can talk about how good he is as a poacher, um, fox in the box. Uh, you know, he scores a lot of not particularly aesthetically pleasing goals, but he's he's there at the right moment. But his his physical hold up play is like really infuriating, and that was that was like a big uh, component of us not being able to progress the play. I think particularly in the first half uh, yesterday. Yeah, now you mention it, I, I just got a really clear image in my head of the ball sort of bouncing off Eddie as we send a long ball towards him and it, and it moving backwards. And that, that's just not what you need. Um, Eddie's got some problems because the, you've, you've got a few reasons to start Eddie. For one, you say he's the fox in the box. It, um, 
I know he, he had quite a clear-cut chance at the start of the game and he really lacked composure with it, um, something that you, you wouldn't notoriously associate with him. But, you know, at, at the top, top level, he hasn't really shown that composure that he's shown at youth level. Um, well, sh- just on that, you know, have you seen the Orbinio on Twitter who every time he scores, he posts the average uh, yards from goal of an yeah. Enketia goal for Arsenal? Yeah. And it's like... It's is like pretty much always within the like the average goal is pretty much within the six yard box for him, and in and yeah. in other areas he needs to improve. That shows that a he is really good at getting into goal scoring uh, positions. His xG is good, his movement's good, but he he's lacking sort of he, he finishing more difficult chances is an issue mm. for him. And also, as we were saying about his hold up play, he takes the the ball comes to him. And he'll take a massive touch back so he can get away from the defender, but the defender just stands there and then he has to play a pass back and it slows mm. the, the, the momentum of the, the, the build-up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's spot on. And then the, uh, elsewhere, the other justification is his pressing, um, yeah. which we saw to really strong effect at the end of last season, actually. The goal against Southampton at St Mary's springs to mind. Really good pressing, forced a mistake from Alex McCarthy, goal. That that seems to have gone. I don't know if um, you know he he still is running around and causing problems, but I don't feel to the same intensity. I don't feel the whole team is doing that to the same intensity as they were in Project Restart. Absolutely, uh, first half there was no press. Yeah, and, and that's a good um, point because Project Restart. I wrote about this. I remember writing about this a few times in Project Restart. Our press was really growing. Like it looked like Arteta was beginning to implement a proper cohesive mm. press. That is gone in the last few months. And I don't know if it's whether a lack of confidence, we feel like if we're going to press, we're going to get exposed and, you know, they're lacking the confidence to press or whether Arteta is, you know, sort of instructing them to not press and sit back, mm. which is absurd in this modern era where pressing is essentially the way you can, you know, the way forward yeah. and it's the way as, you can as, build attacks more easily, especially, especially if you lack creative players. Yeah, especially when you're playing the likes of Yerry Mina and uh, mm. Michael Keane, who, you know, I, I I personally think they're pretty good defenders, but they're not the best on the ball. So get at them. And um, two fullbacks, at, uh, two centre-backs at fullback as well. Yeah. So, you know, when you're looking at Arteta, you sort of question why he's not picking up on those weaknesses. As you mentioned, the, the cohesive press, which was being implemented after uh, the first lockdown, and also the passing out the back, they were two hallmarks of our style of play, and now they seem to sort of be disappearing a little bit. Uh, what I, would I you put still... that down to? Do you think it is confidence, or do you think Arteta's trying to do something different, different, and in in doing that, he's abandoning the things that sort of were working? I mean, The Athletic released um, an article a few weeks ago about pressing, actually. I think it was Tom Worville. Um, and and he he's showed that all teams other than Aston Villa are in, uh, in the Premier League are pressing less than um, less than usual, and that's obviously something to do with fitness. We're playing way too many games at the moment, uh, and that's that's just because of the congested fixture list. Uh, so I'm sure that's a contributing factor. Maybe we're trying to dial down the pressing on, on that on, on that regard. Um, but yeah, I'd also associate with pressing. Uh, with, sorry, uh, with with a lack of confidence. I mean, um, as you mentioned, especially with the passing out from the back, you look at how Southampton passed it out from the back against us. They're a team brimming with confidence and they their players on paper aren't like miles better than ours. And I, I think passing out the back effectively is definitely a confidence thing. So um, I'd say that's why that's not working quite so effectively at the moment. Um, you got any more thoughts on that one? No, I'd agree with that, and I think, I think the the fitness issue is is a really good point. I hadn't thought about that. I do remember reading that piece actually, but I completely sort of forgotten about it. And yeah, I think the lack of preseason and stuff would have definitely contributed to it. But it does mm. feel like there has been a marked difference with us. If you look at maybe the the percentage of of drop down in pressing, I'd assume without having actually looked to the stats that. Ours is like a bigger drop down than other teams, yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to put it down to. I do think the confidence is definitely a thing. 
Um, I think confidence is definitely a thing more with the passing out of the back and then the pressing it might be more of a of a systematic issue and, and a result of like instructions from Arteta. But I don't know. It's it's an issue and that's another issue in our game that we need to address and because pressing is just a, a, a pivotal part of the modern game. Um, and essentially pressing, as much as individuals can press, pressing is... Like I don't blame players when there's not a cohesive press. That is something that coaching mm. has to implement. You know, yeah. it's not a result yeah. of of player like endeavor. You know, you've got players who are always going to press, like Martinelli, um, for example. But a cohesive pressing unit is different. Um, but yeah, I th- I think yeah. if you want an indicator of the fact that passing out of the back requires confidence, you just look at the situation regarding David Luiz and Mohamed El Nenny on the weekend. Um, mm. you know, it, it's been well. Charles Watts, who was at the game, said that David Luiz was having a go at Mohamed El Nani for passing it backwards. Um, and mm. you know, passing out from the back requires sort of um, taking risks with regard to your passing. Um, mm. what, 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 what did you make of David Luiz having a go at uh, Mohamed El Nani for passing backwards? I mean, I think El Nani was poor. In general, in that yeah, game, and, and cool. I think one of the things you know people sort of associated with El Nenny in the past is his tendency to play sideways or backwards passwards. Mm. Uh, I mean, he got the nickname El Sideways. I always thought it was a bit <laughs> harsh because if you looked to like his his stats, he actually played quite a few progressive passes, and he was up there for like deep progression numbers. Um, mm. So he clearly is a bit more ambitious than people said. Um, and I think that was something he was doing pretty well at times this season, particularly earlier in the season. I think in the last few games it's gone, and maybe that's a confidence thing. I, I would have thought after his goal against Dundalk, he'd be brimming with confidence, but maybe it's just a lack mm. of confidence within the team. And I think against Everton, he was so, so pedestrian on the ball. Like It felt like you know we were looking like watching Sarah Kolasinac again and yeah. how conservative. <laughs> we stressed so many times about how conservative he was on the ball, and it feels like that felt like that from El Nenny. I can't remember a particularly ambitious pass he played. It was, and, and there's there, there's obviously you know there's an element of positivity about that, you know ball retention. That's something he does well, but it was so regressive. And at least as much as you can also uh, criticize Sabios and his performance, at least he was a bit more expansive in his in his play and passing. He was trying a bit more going forward. Mm-hmm. El Nenny was, yeah. It wasn't good, and I think he offered very little protection. And I, I understand David Luiz's frustration because he was he was a bit more creative on the day than a lot of our players trying to make things happen. And he was clearly, yeah, I, I, I I'm not surprised he was getting frustrated at El Nini. Yeah, yeah, um, but I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It raises a lot of questions with regard to El Nini actually, because wasn't long ago that we were at Old Trafford and he delivered his yeah. best performance in an Arsenal shirt to date. I think with El Nenny, though, the, the natural conclusion to reach is that, is that El Nenny at the end of the day is only as good as the players alongside him. Uh, he's, the, he's the sort of player who whose game raises a level when he's playing with elite footballers. So if you play him next to Thomas Partey, he's, he's brilliant. If you play him next to Danny Spios, that's when questions rise... Uh, Arise, especially an out of form Danny Spios. I think we should maybe get on to Sabios because you were talking on the group chat about Sabios about how he was brilliant at the end of last at the end of last season, and he he just looks a shadow of that player right now, doesn't he? Yeah, he's a player that really, really frustrates me because yeah, he's clearly got talent, and I don't care what people might say, but try and deny that. I mean, we saw it at times last season. We've seen brilliant performances. There's a reason. Madrid are reluctant to sell him and you know keep you know loaning him because they do see a future for him I think even if maybe mm. that's not under Zidane and he's yeah he's clearly a player with, with talent he just at the moment and I don't think it, it doesn't feel like a player who, who lacks confidence I feel like I don't know what it is but he's just so frustrating at times I think recent weeks it's like he does something nice and then you know a nice turn or yeah. a nice like manipulation of the ball in midfield and then he'll play a fucking terrible pass to no one off the pitch mm. and I'm like that was so sloppy just just concentrate a bit and you can play a decent pass into the final third you know 
deep yeah. progressions and that. Uh, it's just, I mean, I don't know where to start with him. I think he's in really poor form. And I feel like if we'd had more options available, he would be one that would be dropped. I think El Nene would be dropped. Uh, it's just, uh, Ceballos is, he's infuriating me because I like him as a player and I, and I feel like if you can get the best out of him, you've got a very, I genuinely feel like you've got a very good player. And I think him beside Partey would be a good pivot. But I think El Nene mm, Ceballos I is completely a agree disastrous with that. pivot. Mm. Mm. Would you be interested in seeing perhaps a, a Miguel Aziz get given a chance against City in the Carabao Cup then? Possibly. I mean, I think Shaka will probably play because he's, uh, he's ineligible against Chelsea as well. And then he's obviously not played in a couple of weeks. I think Shaka yeah. will play. And I feel like, yeah, I think El Neni and Sabayos should probably both not play in that game because they'll probably both have to play against Chelsea. I wouldn't be against it. You know, it'd be something new. It'd be Arteta giving a youngster a game. Obviously, it's Carabao Cup, so we're not that um, yeah. impressed about it. I think he'll probably go Shaka Willock. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I, obviously, I wouldn't be against Aziz getting a look in. Yeah. Um, I've sort of taken <laughs> leadership for I can on. take it back if you want. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, just saying second off. Should go into second off. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do that. Mm. Well, another thing Vinay said, instead of fucking referencing Arscast, we're just doing Vinay's piece. Shout if oh, you haven't yes. read it. Tactical points, uh, you know, lovely bullet points uh, laid out. <laughs> uh, we love you, Arscast.co.uk. You can see it now. Uh, it's live. Uh, but yeah, Iconic. he mentioned... Yeah, I mean, at the, at the end of the podcast, you won't want to because we fucking referenced the whole thing. But uh, <laughs> he was saying... Uh, as we've seen, and I guess it's quite an obvious point, we've seen in recent games uh, in particular, you know, Burnley, Southampton, um, even before that, I think the Wolves game, sort of the 15, 20 minutes after uh, of the second half, first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, we do up the momentum a bit. We play with a more, more intensity. We're a lot, we use the ball a lot more quickly. We get it into the final third a lot more quickly. We're more intent in our passing. Um, and that was, you know, it was the same against Everton. In previous games, we've been able to say, you know, Burnley, Shaka got sent off, obviously completely derailed that momentum and, you know, we went on to lose. Southampton, same thing with, with Gabriel getting sent off. Um, it derailed the momentum. This game, we can't really say that. And I know the momentum didn't completely go after that first 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. when we had a few decent opportunities. Uh, you know, we looked to work the ball better, but I feel like once we don't score in that 15, 20 minutes when we're on top, the players panic a bit and then mm. it takes sort of the composure out of the game and it feels like the, the last period we were, we were sort of panicking, the players. And I don't know. Yeah. What were your thoughts just yeah. on that second half well, in general? As I mentioned previously, coaches know how to play Arsenal now and Carlo Ancelotti isn't a silly man. He wasn't going to go out and play expansive football in that second half. He was going to make his team sit in, and uh, it worked for them. Uh, yeah. And fair play to them. Because uh, that back four, as you mentioned, that they did well to get a, a win out of the game, but you don't have to play that, have to play that well to beat Arsenal. Um, but let's, let's just say that the... the our attacking capabilities at the moment are really poor and uh, the closest we came was David Luiz hitting the post and that came from a classic Jordan Pickford spillage. Um, so, you know, we we didn't create enough. It, as, as you mentioned at the start of this podcast, Alfie, we're saying the same stuff every week. It's so hard to say anything else because... Just the lack of that, creativity. That, That's the overriding thing. Mm. Um, and to be honest, I, I think you can link that to confidence a little bit because although these players aren't the most creative, I think when you're playing with confidence, you naturally become a bit more creative and fluid offensively. Um, but yeah, this we, we need players in January really quite desperately. Um, and given the position we're in, we're, we're also going to have to rely on Edu's um, yet to be tested persuasive skills to see if he can bring anyone in to uh, to solve this creativity crisis going forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, as you were saying, because, you know, Ancelotti knew what he was doing, um, because he knows Arsenal can't play against creativity. Fucking, he brought off Awobi for Coleman. Yeah. Um, he brought off Richarlison for Kenny. I mean, that sort of deliberate attempt to just shut us off. Sort of part of the mis- And you know when you're taking your wingers off for, for full-backs, uh, you know, not even in like the, the last five minutes, he took Awobi off for 10 minutes to go. That sort of rub salt in the runes, like we know you're not mm. going to break through. We're just going to set up more defensively. Um, and yeah, it was it was pretty miserable. Another miserable night. Um, another performance where we are just talking about the same issues: um, a lack of creativity yeah. and you know a lack of pressing issues and stuff. It's getting frustrating. Having said. Having said that, though, Alfie, uh, in the last three minutes, we did actually break through. We just didn't have men uh, clambering onto the end of really quite, you know, really good balls played across the front of goal. Mm. That's really disappointing considering Lacazette had been on the pitch for 10 minutes. He should 100% be in in that position for, I can't remember who flashed it across the face of goal. Yeah, Yeah, Maitland-Niles, he should be there. We were lamenting... Uh, and Ketia for certain aspects of his game earlier, but that is one where I could see him getting on the end of, you know, in yeah. that sort of area, that's where he thrives. He, he'll bust his gut to get in there. Whereas Lacazette, kind of lazy, doesn't really make an effort to get across the front post. Again, you could say it's not really his game. We don't see him scoring many goals like that. Um, and then a similar one, when Saka, I think it was just after, Tierney played it in Saka with a great ball. Um, and yeah. he didn't really have anyone to look up to and play across to. Uh, and he just had to take a mm. short at a tight angle, which Pickford kept out pretty easily. So those were pretty much our two best moments of the second half. I think Willock had a decent header. Yeah. Um, that sort of sums it up. Uh, but yeah, yeah, a miserable point. I think we should get onto the broader things of like Arteta's mm. job. Mm. How long does Mikel Arteta have left if this continues how it's going? Um, so this weekend has been the first weekend where I've sort of seen, I've looked at people calling for Arteta's head more reasonably. I've seen where they're coming from and you, all you have to look at is the results, Alfie. The results really aren't good enough um, and that the pressure really must be mounting. Um, I I really hope he can pull us out of it, but I think Chelsea is going to be a tough game. It would be brilliant if we could win it, but we shouldn't be expecting to win it. Uh, not who? Who do we have after that? Uh, do we have Brighton? Yeah, not an easy game. I think. I hate to say it, but if we don't win either of, if we don't get anything out of those two games, I think he's in deep trouble, Alfie. Well, the way I looked at it, and this is the way I sort of approached it in my article today, we've got City and Chelsea. For mm. us, where we realistically are as a team with mid-table metrics and currently with, with you know relegation results, um, and that's just the reality of where we are, City and Chelsea is not where we're going to assess our season. No, of course not. Um, and it's pretty... Mad that we're saying that the Chelsea game, I think City game, we never expected that. Um, and obviously, it's the League Cup. As long as we don't get fucking destroyed in those games, I think it, it you know, we can't take that much away from them. Um, mm. And we we probably won't be destroyed, even even in these games. You know, as I was saying earlier, it, we we tend to lose very marginally. Um, and I don't mm. see us getting destroyed in either of those games. I don't see us getting anything from them. But then. After those two games, it is a run of fixtures. <laughs> Relegation six-pointers, in a way. We've got Brighton, then we've got Palace and Newcastle sort of just ahead of us. Uh, and then we've got yeah. West Brom. Well, those are our next four games. Those four games are like the crunch matches for me. If I th- I said this okay. in my article, I feel like if we don't get nine points from those, at least nine points from those four games, we are seriously in a relegation. Like It's, it's a genuinely very pr- plausible yeah. prospect. And I think that will be where we assess Arteta after that run of four. Mm. Yeah, that that's probably a better way to look at it. Um, you know, uh, 
If we need Thomas Partey back desperately, I've got no idea when he will be back. Uh, things have gone quiet on that front. Really hope Aubameyang's not out for long. Um, but we just sort of need anything. Uh, tell you what, a win against Chelsea would, would be absolutely brilliant, but it's highly unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And as you were saying on the uh, sort of your sort of now you know accepting of people saying Arteta I think when you look at it like sort of in a very plain aspect I think it's mad that we're both saying oh we're now just accepting it considering where Mm. we are in the table and the start we've had the worst start in 46 years for Arsenal Uh, we're 15th we've got if you think about the financial resources we have we and the squad we have we should not be 15th and I find it kind of weird because this time last year we were in a similar position with Emery or slightly early in the year, but it's sort of after a similar amount of games because obviously the, the fixture is different this season. Um, mm. I was like staunchly Emery out. Like I was like, we, I couldn't understand how anyone could think we could continue with what we were doing. This time around, I, I just don't feel like that with Arteta. As much as I no. can sort of um, mentalise why people would you know, why people want and rationalise why people want him out and and why people think a change is needed. And I completely understand it. I just don't feel it myself. And I feel like it was, I mean, A, Arteta feels like a more likeable character than Emery. Um, and just yeah. the fact that he has previous ties with the club because obviously he worked, uh, he played for us and with Captain Nassim, he's quite a popular player. Um, and, you know, he communicates much better. I think it was, it's mainly what he just... I was so like happy when we brought him in. I really wanted him, and it was the picture that he painted when he when he came in. He created this sort of idea and vision, and made it clear what he wanted, which was to completely rebuild the culture and mentality around the club, which we've wanted for ages because we've known about the the issues in that sort of aspect. And then he wanted to create a team that was competing for for the top prizes within a few years. Um, and playing young players, playing attractive, expansive, possession-based football, all things we wanted. And this sounded like a perfect thing. And I I was like, I feel like I can get behind this. I feel like it may take a while. We may have a lot of pain in, in it, you know, along the way. But if we can reach that end goal, then, you know, that's, I'm, I feel, I believe in this man when he's saying this. And I know, and I believe when uh, in what he's saying and how he, he, he wants to create that. I mm. and I still feel like at the back of my mind I'm hoping for that. But to caveat that, as I said in my piece, there's only so much short-term pain this club can afford to take, and relegation is not short-term pain we can afford to take. And I feel like no. if it gets to the point where we genuinely look like we could be relegated, we just can't go with that long we can't go ahead with that long-term process if it means relegation i mean that sounds insane to to say but obviously we can't uh no way yeah and that if if that did get into sort of a potentiality that would really test the board Mm. you know we dilly dallied with arteta you would have to get someone in immediately. You'd have to get someone in with experience. Tony Pulis. Um, you, you know, <laughs> you, you laugh at it. And <laughs> I don't think you would go for someone like that. Mm. Maybe a Rafa Benitez. Yeah. You know, the, shame that Big Sam has gone to West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, but, um, yeah. It's, Felix McGat. That would be a, Anyone? Remember him? <laughs> He was meant to be the German. Was he German? I don't know. I think he's yeah, German. The German, like <laughs> the German Tony Pulis uh, to come in yeah. and save Fulham. Uh, got relegated. It's not quite as easy here. Pepe Mel. Yeah, Pepe Mel. Remember <laughs> him as well. West Brom. Fucking hell. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Oh, he's awful. Continue what you said. Um, but yeah, that would be a massive test of the board. But Because they've invested in him. <sighs> And they they will give yeah. it every opportunity to work. It's only if it gets to absolute dire straits that they will be forced to change things. If I'm being absolutely honest, I, I as much as you know, we've seen 
you know, anything can happen in football. I under Arteta, I really don't think it would get there. Um, I think, as you as we've talked about before already, we I think we both agree that he'll be backed in January. Um, he'll at least get a few players in to um, hopefully hopefully sort sort us out a bit attacking wise. Um, hopefully be able to sell a few players you know that's that's it's not realistic to suggest we'll be able to sell some players but um uh, you know hopefully just balance the squad a bit better uh and to be honest Alfie I wouldn't really I wouldn't mind a bottom half finish as long as it meant that that sort of led to a massive clear out next summer mm. that's that's pain that I would be willing Charge to for the Europa League yeah Mm. Yeah, or eggs in that basket. Just on the yeah. uh, long-term vision that I was mentioning mm. there, do you believe with the right resources and the right backing, Arteta can achieve that that sort of long-term vision that he was talking about when he first came in? I'm sort of eighty percent there. Um, I've seen really good. We we both seen really good things from Arteta since he's come in especially the first few months. Um, and he's obviously been taught by the very best. Um, but the fact that really, if, if if we're being honest, the fact we haven't played attractive attacking football at all, really, since he came in, that that's a bit of a worry. Uh, because, you know, we didn't really play that great football before uh, lockdown. I remember the last game that we went to at West Ham. We didn't play good football that day. Um, and that wasn't just a one-off. Uh, so well, that's my only hesitation with him. But do you feel t- that's a result of him adapting to the players he has and saying yeah. we have to... Or do you think he is capable of of yeah. implementing an attractive system? And that's why the percentage is so high for me. That's so you, why you I still have so much... I think he is because his vision has got to be something similar to Pep's. And to be able to play Pep-style football, you need quality, quality players. And if you give uh, Mikel Arteta some better players, I think he can implement that vision. Um, He talked about if you want to play that 4-3-3, you've got to get five or six more players in. So, And that's his vision of football. So why not... if? Uh, unless it goes catastrophically wrong in the next few months, let's give him those players and give him the opportunity to do it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, bringing in if you if you're bringing in quality footballers to a football club, th- that's really a, a win-win, regardless. Because if they don't work with Arteta, they'll work with someone else. Yeah. So essentially, you're saying, unless we look like we're going to get relegated, you're sticking by him because you you see you can envisage him achieving what he wants to do in the long term if he gets the right backing and right yeah, resources. That, yeah, that that would be a good way to summarise my, my stance on the situation. Fair enough. I I don't know if I share your optimism fully. Like I, I want to, to see it. I want to see it so badly and I want Arteta to be the man to do that. I just don't mm. know if he is capable in his first job at this age without the, you know, the learning process of being a coach to do that right now, if I'm honest. Mm. Like, I don't, so, I, I'm struggling to see how he's going to turn around this current situ- situation, let alone build in the long term. And I want it, I want him to be able to. I just, at the moment, I, I, I just don't feel I can. Okay. And that's, that's just due to his inexperience and, and the, the current situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that that's complete. I I can completely see that. My my viewpoint is is sort of groundless. It's just sort of this hope that this man who, as you mentioned before, gave us this beautiful vision of where our club can potentially go again. Um, I I'm hopeful that he can be the one, and I I really like Arteta, but yeah, it's going to be a massive test to see if, if he can get us out of this situation. Massive, and if he doesn't. As you say, uh, he's got to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, shout the the guy, the the famous guy on Facebook now, uh, Usman yeah. Mud. 
uh, who, who did that thing. <laughs> <laughs> One day Arteta will become Arsenal manager. He'll win two trophies in the first seven months or a year at the club. After that, Arsenal will struggle. They'll face their worst start in 30 years. They'll bounce back. Arteta will win EPL and UCL on his fourth season as Arsenal manager. Honestly, I'm praying that this guy has had access to a time machine or something. Um, and this is just sort of him <laughs> venting those thoughts, uh, that these facts that actually happen in the future. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's now worse than our worst start in 30 years. It's our worst start in 46 years. So maybe his, his, his yeah. story's gone. But who knows? Hopefully, I, I, I hope Usman is right. Um, please, Usman. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. All I'm saying is that Mikel Arteta is lucky that uh, he's sort of ex-club captain. Uh, he's a likable guy because otherwise I think he'd be gone by now. And, and he's got a board. The board is yeah, heavily it, invested yeah. in him. Because if they hadn't yeah. made him manager and if they hadn't sort of built the whole structure around him, his job would be significantly more unstable at the moment. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And But at the same time, he might not even be in this position because as... Uh, a lot of people have suggested that was that was a really bad move from Arsenal. We were all behind it at the time, but it was very premature, wasn't it? And sort of it typical was. of this inexperienced board. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And James was saying this on, I think, on the last Arscast. We had to reference it at some point. Uh, he was saying <laughs> that he thinks the, the players and the fans and the coach all got a bit carried away. Um, yeah, and the board got a bit carried away. They, we, we sort of after the FA Cup win, we all were banking on it. We thought, you know, Arteta is the man. He he will rebuild us now. Um, and we we sort of we were envisaging this long term building plan going smoothly. Um, and you know, this season proper firm challenge of the top four, and maybe that was a bit unrealistic. And but he also said on the sort of more important point, as fans, we were allowed. We, we, it, it doesn't matter if, if we get a bit carried away. We're allowed to. The board cannot be doing that. Yeah, the board have yeah. to be taking a, a rational, logical stance. And they got carried away. And that has cost us. And in that sense, blame has to be going towards the likes of Edu and those in executive roles at the club. because And even the ownership. Because they got carried away. And that is terrible, terrible leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what the tip-top experienced people do. They say, wait a sec, this guy hasn't even done a full, had a full season in management yet, and you're saying that he's going to be manager of one of the biggest clubs in world football. Like, what are you doing? Or you're sort of saying, but what if it goes wrong? Um, you're just providing that caveat. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, we don't have a full-back plan at the moment. Um, and... If it does go to shit, it's going to be really interesting to see who sort of takes control because I think a lot of people have mentioned this week that if Arteta goes, really Edu has to go as well because in a way it's their project. It's it's not it's not just Arteta's project. Edu has fundamentally backed him um, in interviews. He said, you know, I support this guy. So and Edu essentially works for Arteta as well. So. Yeah, you're right. Um, so if 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 Arteta goes, I really think it's back to square one. Yeah, we have to and replace you, everyone, including those yeah. in sort of executive roles. Which is perhaps why no one want, at Arsenal really would want to address that issue because it's you, that's such a hard thing to do mid-season. Mm. 100%. Um is there anything else you want to sort of discuss or mention? No, I, I think... I think we've, we've covered it we've pretty got... well, actually. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, <laughs> due to Daniel's absence, yeah. we haven't strayed off topic. We have gone <laughs> some random thing about Jai beer or, or like some animal or, I don't know, Firmino's teeth. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We love Daniel for that, but yeah, uh, uh, we are oh, more no. productive without him. No offense. Let, let's uh, <laughs> we can at least celebrate the fact that uh, Spurs' title charge is already over. <laughs> title <laughs> charge, <laughs> laughable. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. We need a song. We do. Um, Go on. We need to like pre-plan songs. I always forget. We do. Like, it's dreadful. Uh, um, what, did, what did we have last week? I wasn't there. Oh, it was something oh, I can't even remember. Um, we could do um, for our backing of oh, Arteta we, for we the had moment. Bob Marley last week. Oh yeah, everything else. Well, it doesn't yeah. seem that everything little thing is going to be alright. No. How about we do um, as it's Christmas and we both, for the moment, want Arteta to keep his job for a little bit. Should we do stay another day? Yeah, that's a good shout. <laughs> stay stay <another> now. Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, we'll do that. Okay. Big up E seventeen. Yep. Um, right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Marketing you opportunity it. of a lifetime. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, we love your Arsenal at Cody K. Uh, it is excelling. Uh, actually, no, the views are pretty bad at the moment. But yeah. that is very, that's actually very typical of this time of the year. Um, between about October and December, yeah. they're generally terrible on, on all platforms, um, views and stuff. Mm. And then January, for some reason, is a madness. So maybe it's because people aren't like doing much in January. So they're just, you know. I don't know. Watch. Yeah. I don't I fucking. I don't know what I'm saying. But yeah, that's that. And then also, I wanted to do another one. Uh, drunk cast Go Arsenal year roundup. It's going to be a madness. It'll probably <laughs> be about two hours again because for some reason that's what happened in the last drunk cast. We'll be taking shots throughout or drinking beer. Probably if you're Daniel Pusio. Uh <laughs> And yeah. Uh, so yeah, watch out for that. That will come out on like the 27th or 28th or something. Uh, yeah. That's, that's it. Thanks for the marketing opportunity of a lifetime. Go ahead with yours then. <laughs> yeah, Robbie. just the same as, of course, oh, we love you, Arsenal.co.uk. And yeah, uh, Instagram, AFC Insight. Check it out. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Do yeah. you want to sing? Do you want to sing us out? I thought like you should. All right. 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 Bye. Stay now, baby, if you've got to go away. <laughs> Just know I can take the pain. Baby, stay another day. Oh, don't leave me alone like this. Don't you say it's the final kiss. Won't you stay another day? Don't you know we've come too far now Just to go and try to throw it all away Thought I heard you say you love me That your love was gonna be here to stay Just begun to know you All I can say is won't you stay just one more day Baby, I forgot to go away Don't think I could take the pain Won't you stay another day Touch your face while you are sleeping And hold your hand Don't understand what's going on Good times we had Return to haunt me Though it's for you All that I do seems to be wrong Go